This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Monday the 25th of January. So the 25th of January, Norman, it's really weird having done this podcast for so long now that we're coming around to anniversaries of the coronavirus, which seemed like it only happened a minute ago and then at the same time an absolute lifetime ago. The 25th of January 2020 was the day that Australia announced its first official case of coronavirus within the country. Yes, it was a man from Wuhan who'd flew into Melbourne from Guangdong. I think he flew in on the 19th of January and they reported the case on the 25th of January. To Australia's credit, we had testing already available at that point. Didn't know an awful lot about it. Brendan Murphy, the chief medical officer, when when announcing it, had the broad idea of what the virus was, was doing, that it had an incubation period, some people got mild symptoms. They knew about the pattern from China. But they didn't know as much as we know now, but they they kind of had it. There was no quarantine at that point for people coming in. They were just watched, and I think people largely kept themselves. I think those first cases in Wuhan, people behaved extremely well and kept themselves to themselves um, without a formal process in place. But um, in retrospect, it was a, a, a landmark, and a landmark very much different from other places. If you think of the United States, where... Um, there was a case that landed in Seattle, well, not in Seattle, near Seattle in Washington State, and they didn't have proper testing available. The test that they had available was was faulty. There were very strict rules for how it could be used. And you know, six weeks later, they really had a serious outbreak in Washington State. We we were pretty good about getting onto it. Yeah, the flip side of that for Australia is that this man was the first official case here, but he didn't pass it on to anyone else. The the strain died when he recovered and we didn't actually have human-to-human transmission on Australian soil for about six weeks. But we did have importation of cases. Um, so you know that we, we were pretty lucky at that point. And it just goes to show that 80% of people that we now know who have COVID do not pass it on to other people. It's a 20% who start a cluster. It's funny thinking about the different moments, like our mindset on the 25th, 25th of January, like you and I as health reporters were keeping a close eye on this potential pandemic virus, but we didn't really, no one knew at that time that it was going to turn into a global pandemic. What was your moment where you were like, oh my gosh, this is really a thing? I didn't really have a moment thinking about it uh, in retrospect. It's very hard to actually look back and think about that. Early January, about the 9th of January, I remember talking to the executive producer of Radio National Breakfast and saying, you've got to watch this, and they did a story on it. And I remember in January doing an interview with uh, Raina McIntyre and asking her how worried she was, and she said 7 out of 10. And I thought, well, she's Raina McIntyre is worried 7 out of 10. I should be worried 7 out of 10. And then not so long after that, I think it was probably a couple of weeks later, Raina was up at 9 out of 10. So I thought, mm, well, I should probably be up at 9 out of 10 as well. That, those are the things that stick out for me. But it, it was just that it was progressive and relentless and appearing elsewhere and not stopping. Yeah, it was it was sort of a weird, scary thing that sort of felt like it was at arm's length for a while. And the most recent thing that kind of seemed analogous was SARS, the original SARS, which was horrible and destructive, but in retrospect, a tiny fraction of the number of people who have now caught COVID got SARS and it died out within a couple of years. So I certainly didn't think in on the 25th of January last year that we would be here today. No, and the thing that the reason we're here today the way we are is that unlike SARS, SARS-CoV-2, which wasn't named as SARS-CoV-2 at that point, 
spread when you were pre-symptomatic and there were a lot of people who were asymptomatic and spread it. Whereas with SARS-1, you only spread it when you actually had symptoms, which made it much easier to identify and control. This is what's made it extremely unlucky for us. Well, dear Coronacasters, join us in reflecting on a crazy year of pandemicness. Why don't you tell us what your aha or old crap moment was with coronavirus? Was it the 25th of January when the first case was announced in Australia? Was there another date that really stands out in your mind? Let us know. Go to abc.net.au slash coronacast. Click ask us your questions and mention coronacast in your response so that we can find it. And also anything that you would like reflected upon in terms of the research that might uh, be elucidated. What questions do you have about those early days? Not sure we can answer them all, but we'll try. So yeah, a year on from the first few cases becoming outside of China, we're now really in the throes of a vaccine rollout globally. And we've focused a lot recently on the first generation of vaccines, the Pfizer and AstraZeneca and Moderna vaccines, which are currently rolling out around the world and soon to be rolling out in Australia. But there's another 200 or so vaccines still in development. Norman, why do you keep pushing towards a vaccine when there's already some on the market? Like, what are we hoping for, for the next wave of vaccines that will come through in the coming months and years? Well, there are a few challenges. One is transportation and stability. So the mRNA vaccines are not that stable. So they've got to be handled with care, even the Moderna vaccine. Their advantage is that they can pivot quite quickly. So should the virus mutate um, or mutations of the virus survive that are resistant to the current vaccines? And there's some worrying signs of that, they say, in the South African I'll call it the South African one. It's not really the South African variant, but this one that was noticed in South Africa and the Brazilian uh, variant. There are suggestions that these are suffering antibody or antigenic escape where they, they may be more resistant to the vaccines. So these two vaccines, the Moderna, the mRNA ones may be able to pivot much more quickly. And then there's, there's the dosage. Um, first, vaccines that will only require one dose will be uh, will have an advantage over others vaccines that might create a broader immune response rather than just a specific one to a variant they may have an advantage vaccines that might be able to be combined with influenza vaccine and therefore you get an annual vaccine to the latest covid and the latest influenza they might have an advantage so there's lots of um advantages down the track in terms of the second generation vaccines. And we have two or three vaccines here under development, which may be quite promising as second generation vaccines. So we'll see. But there's certainly a place for them. Right. So it's not just about maybe being better at helping your body individually fight off disease, but there might be other benefits around cost effectiveness or transportation or combining. Combining and broader immune response, which can cope more effectively with the with the new variants. Although it does seem the existing immune response is pretty broad. So you mentioned before different variants that we've seen popping up around the world, and one of the ones that's had a lot of headlines in the last few weeks is the so-called UK strain uh, B one one seven. We have a question from that from one of our international listeners. Emily has written from Vermont, where she's saying, "What do we know about the UK strain? Is it really more?" infectious or when Emily was looking at news reports of people in London and elsewhere um, before Christmas there were a lot of people not wearing masks it was winter time there were lots of things that maybe would be a good breeding ground for a virus so was it about the biology or was it about human behavior or both it's a bit of both 
when they first did an analysis of the vaccine, they thought it was maybe 76% more infectious. But they, they said then that they weren't very sure how much of it was human behavior. And that's racked back to around about 50% more infectious. And that means that there is human behavior involved here. But it's not explained entirely by human behavior because with human behavior, then you would expect, so expect that to be an even distribution across all variants in the United Kingdom. But in fact, this variant muscled out the other, the other variants. And so it, uh, it does have a competitive advantage. The extent to which it is truly more contagious is still a bit controversial, but it's round about almost certainly 50%. And that's true taking into account human behaviour. So that was something that we discussed with Professor Eddie Holmes a couple of weeks ago on CoronaCast, if you want to scroll back through your feed. He, he was saying that some of these different strains that seem to have an advantage have similar mutations in them, even though they haven't descended from the same ancestor. Yep. So they're they're popping up all over the place and is a bit of a concern. So Norman, we've got some more questions and these ones are directed at you personally and quite personal questions. Joe in WA wants to wants to know, did Dr. Swan manage to go to Roto, I'm assuming that means Rottnest Island, over his holidays like he kept saying he was hoping to do? Sadly, um, WA was largely closed to people from my state over the holidays and I never got to Rottnest um, so, but I live in hope. And Matt says, woohoo, Coronacast is back. He's missed his Corona fix. Does that mean that Super Swan is back in the gym pumping iron or is the only wet towel the one being used to record Coronacast? Uh, very good, Matt, very good. So um, the towel is dry, at least at the moment. And um, no, I'm not quite back in the gym yet, but, I, but now that we're getting day after day of zero cases in New South Wales, I will be in the gym this week coming giving you the answers you need, people. Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. And I'll be out of breath tomorrow, but send in your questions anyway to abc.net.au slash coronacast. Click on Ask a Question and mention Coronacast on the way through. And we will see you tomorrow. See you then. 